Hello, fellers. Howdy. How we doing? I'm excellent. <laughs> You're always excellent there, J-Rod. I am. I'm doing well. Zach, you having a good day as well? I actually am, yeah. Doing good. Getting energy back yet? Uh, yeah. Riding over with our guests was all the energy I needed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> vitamin, uh, vitamin B in real person? Yes. I got it. Write that down. He's doing well. Um, <laughs> in the last however many episodes we've had, there's been multiple times he hasn't been doing well for one reason or well, the other. Well, in fairness... I mean, uh, it's going to be big time. For every comment he's had about being tired and worn down, you've equally matched him with a comment on the weather. Or how chubby I am. Yeah. <laughs> or, <laughs> yeah, let's just get that out of the way. Do you want to make a public apology now? No, I do not want to make a public, a public apology. I did that on the side. But do better. Oh. <laughs> He's just going to double down, man. All right, here we are. We're back. Another episode of the Soccer Dad Pod. Um, really appreciate all the support from you guys listening. Um, you know, the, the numbers don't lie, and we are grateful. So... Thanks. Keep it up. Send it to a friend uh, and we'll keep them coming. So I want to go ahead and get this thing moving a little bit because we've, we've got our guests sitting here chilling in the, in the, in the batter's box. Um, so we're going to get right to it. We want to thank Crescent for all of their support. Crescent Plumbing Supply. Yeah. Quick, quick story. <clears throat> so I sent my sister there. Oh, there and, we go. Yep. And she See? went in. She, talked, she, she called him up. And she was looking for some designers. Now, they don't do design. Correct. But they sent her to a couple different contractors, and they got her set up with a, a couple designers already this week. Um, and so just a little shout-out to a personal Crescent story. There you go. Sounds like service, right? Yeah. Happy, happy. Uh, we Crescent, we've got Axis PT, AxisPT.com. Axis uh, we're going we're gonna to be talking to Soccer Doc JP here in the next few days uh, to bring you some more information about what they're doing. Uh, the new uh, laws here in Missouri, they're going to allow everything to be easier to go and get your little one taken care of. Excellent. Uh, we'll get into details there. And, of course, our boys, Chris and Bill, thepinnacleloans.com. Um, thank you, fellers, for your support. And we're going to roll right into the pinnacle points of the day. You're sitting there, Chomp. I'm ready. Do uh, it. Champions League's back on. Oh, my God, yep. And uh, the Paramount Plus package for CBS Sports has kind of like a Golazzo <laughs> show, and it just switching back and forth from every match that's live. And it's the like last N NFL Red Zone for champions. Yeah, basically, right. the last match was Lazio versus um, uh, Atletico Madrid, <coughs> and Madrid had been winning the whole game. Final minute of extra time. Corner kick, they bring the goalie in. Yeah, 20 seconds passed. Yeah. Corner kick is missed, blocked, kicked out. Floater in, goalie heads it for the, ga the game-tying goal, the goalie. I think that they said this, the second time a goalie has scored in Champions League. Yeah, how do you miss the big yellow jersey? I, he flew right in, in the middle. Of the Dude, he like got the on the end of it. Yes, he did. He, he did. did get on the end of it. I was proud of him. He looked like Erling Holland. <laughs> you were he, proud of him. He, he looked like <laughs> our maybe our guest today and how he got on the end of some things. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Champions League's back. Uh, great point, um, which will actually destroy a lot of work weeks here coming up to you. Yep. Um, 
We'll be texting you, Jared. Jared from yeah, from he'll, be, he'll be watching. I'll be working. There you go. Jared, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jared, what you got? Pinnacle point of the day, too. You know, uh, music means a lot on our show. Uh-oh. And from the early 90s, um, I have a just the most phenomenal stat for my Pinnacle point two of the day. In 1991, in 40 days, I'm going to read the albums that were released in 1991 within a 40-day window. You can, ready? Can, can I guess how many are from Seattle? Uh, yes, but I don't know if they're from Seattle. You may know. <laughs> that would be a lot. But here we go. Metallica Black, no. Pearl Jam 10, Seattle. Use Your Illusions, Guns N' Roses 1 and 2. Indian, indie. Red Hot Chili Peppers, Blood Sugar Sex Magic. SoCal. Uh, Soundgarden, Bad Motorfinger, and Drumroll, Nirvana, Nirvana, never mind. Seattle. So those, one, two, three, four, five, six, really seven if you're talking about the dual set, Guns N' Roses, but six albums in 1991, which our guest today did some amazing things in 1991 and was really (laughs) coming into his own at that point. Um, Think about those six albums. and I mean, you don't go anywhere today and don't hear a soundbite from those albums. Well, I mean, that would have been my sophomore, junior year, high school locker room playlist. I mean, Metallica, Nirvana, and Pearl Jam. Yeah, I love it, man. That's the Gen Xer in me. Mm-hmm. Uh, pinnacle point of the day three. I'm just going to say his name, and you guys can run with me on this. Dion Sanders. Love him. Me too. I love I, him. I, I, I love what he said about... I don't really, you think I care what you think about me? <laughs> I built me. <laughs> and it's such a non, from that generation, you don't hear that a lot. You know what it is for me? Like, I didn't like him as a player. I hated the teams he was on. Um, I didn't even like the whole neon shtick. <laughs> but now I, I don't care about college football, so I have no horse in any race whatsoever. I think he's amazing for the sport. And I love, I, I just love how he's tackling it head on. I like it. Jared, you're quiet. You got an opinion? I just, I, I can take him or leave it, but I will get a gold <laughs> whistle. Uh, I do like his <laughs> necklace with the gold whistle. If I was coaching, I would definitely have Neon Dion's gold whistle. He's pretty, uh, I don't know, man. Just follow him on Twitter. If nothing else, you don't need to watch I mean, do, like to me, do something. I mean, he, he is, and he makes everything personal, which I like. But win something. He's at Colorado. Good for him. Boulder. He's he's winning. He 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 sneaks one out in dude, the Rocky dude, Mountain Showdown. Wait a second. I J- don't know just, a lot about college football, but he went to TCU and beat them. No, they were the national he, championship game. He took, last a, year. he took a one and eleven team. I don't care. And three and he's three and zero. He did. Something. He brings his people <laughs> in. He's got his kids. I like it. He's he's awesome. Talk to me at the end of the year. I'm with you. It's kind of the same thing we talk about in the show about peaking a little early. It is early to give him anything yet, but I don't know. And act like you've been there a little bit. I mean, he has. He's been there more than anybody. He's the mouth of the South. I like it. I mean, it's all for coming from the mouth of the Midwest. Exactly. I figured you would have been down with that. I, I am down with it, but it's just it's getting annoying, dude. Just just win. Act <laughs> like you've been there. Win twelve, and then go to uh, whatever it's called now, the BCS or the Fiesta Bowl or. Just, just win the big one. Well, let's say he runs the table. And I then mean, flip the desk over and say peace. <laughs> if he runs the table, would there, would there be here. a better rollout of a career coaching-wise than no. if he does that? No. 
I wish Colorado State would have put it in his ass. That's what I wish. Because <laughs> I wish he would have took his sunglasses off and his hat off and talked to an adult like an adult. That's what I wish. But, hey. Well, that, that didn't happen. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to get some refills. We're going to roll our guest on if he doesn't stand up and walk out. <laughs> we'll be right back. Thanks for listening, people. Crescent Plumbing Supply helps save marriages. Really, as families grow, kitchen and bath needs change rapidly. Designing and choosing the right fixtures takes way more skill than just scrolling Pinterest. Staying on budget and avoiding those foreign language order sheets, that's not easy. Lucky for you, the local team at Crescent Plumbing Supply, they are experts. They can help you ditch the baby's tub for a teenage shower and upsize that kitchen sink for all those tumblers, rosé glasses, and sports water bottles. So, when you're ready for that kitchen or bath makeover, go to crescentsupply.com. That's crescentsupply.com. It's cheaper than a therapist. Zach here. I love my kids, really. And when my kids have a knock, a sprain, a tweak, I like to get them back to 100% as soon as possible. I also hate deductibles. I get it. But now, in Missouri, I don't have to waste any unnecessary copay after my child rolls their ankle because now I can go straight to a PT. No more pediatric visits in a germ-infested lobby waiting for permission to go to a physical therapist. Axie's Physical Therapy has 19 locations from Glen Carbon to Winsville and specializes in rehab, especially soccer rehab. So instead of burning a couple of needless hours and cash going to get a referral, take that bump or bruise straight to Axie's. Go to axiespt.com for more info. And feel free to Venmo me your half the savings. Let's go. <laughs> Jared, I, li- I like it, man. I like this one. I've, I challenge myself to, to just see if I get that little grin out of you. Do you know it dawned on me, aha moment, when we were talking about Neon Dion... And he's in Boulder at the University of Colorado, and he's playing Colorado State in Fort Collins, Rocky Mountain Showdown, usually in Mile High, mind you, Sports Authority Field. Um, Our guest today is in that backyard. That's where he spent his. I mean, did did he? I think he lived in Boulder for uh, an extended period of time, and still do. And so, I guarantee you, he has an opinion on this. Oh, there we go. An opinion. You you say go win something. He won at Jackson State. He did. He took a team that was 1-11. He won the first three games, and he's turned college football on its head, and you still want more. I do. You know what I mean? It's like you want want a fresh new coach instead of the standard coach who sits on the sideline and throws his headphones. He dances with the players. He He hugs to the players. He teaches them old school, hold on, old school uh, format of respecting women, open doors, closed doors, yes sir, no sir. Yep. He's teaching that old school mentality, and we still don't we still don't get enough from him. People say, "Oh, well, we want more. We want to win." Well, so you're clearly a fan. In. You know what? I'm a fan of somebody who's going to change. Yeah. Uh, culture, sports, college sports, because I think it's very, um, what's the right word? Very stagnant. It's very stationary, yep. and he is 
turned it on its head. I love it. Look at the people. Before we say, look at the Lakers, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Lakers was prime. It was magic. It was you name it. It's showtime. It's prime time now. Oh, he's yeah. turned everybody. He's gotten celebrities. I mean, that place on a Saturday night now is freaking packed. The town is packed. If you can't get into Folsom Field, you are in downtown Boulder at a bar watching it. Thousands and thousands of people are responding to this. Well said. And we need more of this. I agree. Yeah. Michael Irving, those kind of guys yep. need to come and start doing yep. what they're doing. Yep. Well so said. we keep preaching softness. So Yeah, so bottom line, uh, Jared, you're completely wrong. I don't think so. <laughs> I, I think we agree, but maybe I just didn't come off the right way. <laughs> I think we, we were pretty in clear. a different way. I got you. But in, in addition, he also... Well, well real, real, real quick, for those of you that are don't read you, the screen on your phone or your car, our guest today... Oh, yeah. Who's... who's <laughs> Already in the mix. We've got the Mr. Marcelo Balboa, man. Thank well, at least you didn't call me Lexi Lawless. Everywhere we go, people say Lalas. I'm like, no, nah, man. I'm no, 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 no. I have right? way, right? more, I, way more respect for you than that. So. No, no, I get that all. I get that all the time because of the hair and the beard. I get that everywhere we go. It's Lalas. I'm like, okay, interesting. So, all right, so we got college so, football out of the way. We're good. Oh, we're good. Right, good. We're, we're right. golden. He's, he's a college basketball guy too. Uh, uh, like, I'm a college. I'm a sports guy. Oof. And I can appreciate it. What's up, Dave? We got Dave. We got the Urban Chestnut in the house here saying hello. Yeah, we're um, down here at the Grove, Urban Chestnut. Yep, in the Grove. Uh, we actually, not this weekend, but the 29th, 30th, pop down here, Urban Chestnut, Oktoberfest. Uh, they will have beer and pretzels. That's all you need to know. Uh, a lot of that. A lot of that. A lot of people. It'll be fun. So come down, check it out. So in addition to Marcelo, we also have his co-host, Yep. On the broadcast for Spanish-speaking MLS. Yes, Jorge. Jorginho. Would you <laughs> like to introduce yourself, sir? My name is Jorge Perez Navarro. I've been doing this job for 30, almost seven, 37 years now. Wow. wow. I have called um, five FIFA World Cups, four in Spanish, one in English. And like one guy said not a long time ago, probably you have been around a while. It's been a great opportunity. I feel grateful. It's a tough business, but I have been blessed with the opportunity of doing it like nonstop and in my own terms. So I'm very blessed. And just being around with Marcelo, it's it's he's such a great guy. Uh, here's an anecdote, and um, I learned the old way to be a professional and not have any feelings for anything or any. Well, I mean, I respect my, my colors, but being with him at the Hall of Fame, I was choking. Him with his red jacket. Uh, Marcelo is a very close friend to my family. And just seeing him there, I was like, can I have a picture with you here? <laughs> <laughs> I've been embarrassed, but it's one of the biggest highlights in my career. We got lucky. We got lucky. We, um, when Apple came up and said, you guys going to work together, we were thrilled because we worked together at Univision. We've done a few World Cups together. We did a lot of MLS games. So when it was an opportunity for us to get back together, it was... Very simple. They're like, you guys work together. You know each other. You guys are going to do all the MLS games. We're like, rock on. Let's go. That sounds like a, yeah. How can you turn that pitch down? Hey, listen, we have a good time. Yeah. He's taught me a lot of things. As a player, when I retired, you have to learn. Mm-hmm. And my Spanish wasn't great. I'm not going to lie. It's gotten better, and I still get abused from a lot of Latin people who are Mexican-Mexican because <laughs> when we do the U.S.-Mexico oh, yeah. game, 
I, I do my Spinglish, and I'm okay with it because that's modern now. Nowadays, with yeah, the kids, yeah. they're but, speaking but, 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 a little of everything. But don't you do that a little bit on purpose? Because I mean, you wore I do it the for colors, fun. You know, I do it for a fun. No, but listen, people. You know what people don't understand? When I work for Univision or Two Dana. A lot of the Mexican fans get so upset with me. Why do you let a gringo on our freaking channel? Why do you, and I'm sitting there going, and I'm sitting there, no, and, and it's tough because they, they beat you up on Twitter, but they don't understand there's three other broadcasters, and those are three Mexican guys. Yeah. I'm the guy that's here that's defending the United States. I'm right. here defending this, and over the last six games, we've done quite well. We haven't lost yet, so... But they don't understand. It's tough because they think it's, it's a Mexican station. Why are you letting an American gringo speak about the u.s team so have they got more mad over the last six games um I've, I've taken a little bit of abuse yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm, okay, I'm okay with it i'm okay with it i've won a few bets with my co-partners where i got to paint someone's hair red the other one had oh. to wear an ex-national team player kikin had to wear a national team jersey all day long a u.s national yeah, team oh. jersey so i need this to keep going because if mexico happens to beat us on a bet then i have a funny feeling that i'm either going to have green hair or I'll be wearing a Mexican national team jersey. Yeah, oh, that would be tough. I can see that. I can see that, that would in be your tough. future. Okay, so you got you got to you got to choose your poison. Which do you do? Um, if they they give you the choice. <laughs> I would take the green hair. Yeah, I'm with you. Man. That's, uh, a, that's a simple one. I'm, yeah, you yeah, just I say you're Irish. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, we went I'm through Alexi's all the brother. The last step was to wear the national. <laughs> we did the painting of the hair. We had other bets, but. I'll start with the green hair. I'm okay with that. There you go. Well, I think that for, for, I'm sorry for yeah, a former yeah. player, especially with the uh, mistake and, and and all the things that Marcelo did. The worst thing that you can do to him is make him wear the the opposite team's oh, jersey. Yeah. That's uh, that's. That I think that goes that, too deep. That or Salt Lake. <laughs> well, because you're a Colorado <laughs> guy. Colorado. Yeah, but, Salt Lake uh, is just as bad. I mean, so. that, that, that really hurts. I mean, the, the, the hair will go back to the normal color. Yeah. The hair will grow up. But, I mean, wearing some other teams or countries' colors, I think that people who have played the game, who have bled those colors, I think it's too much. Well, let's let's get into a little bit. Let's stay on this uh, the broadcast side of things a little bit because, obviously, this year with uh, Apple entering into the mix – uh, it's just completely changed the landscape, uh, the distribution landscape, the yep. visual landscape, the, the production, et cetera, for MLS and, and frankly, soccer in general in the States. Um, ha having the experience that you guys have had covering those World Cups, covering uh, different league games, et cetera, and fast forwarding to 2023 when Apple came to you guys and they laid out this package and they showed you what the production would look like and how it was going to be put together. Talk a little bit about your initial reaction and then comparing and contrasting that to, you know, like, you know, World Cup coverage, etc. Well, nothing like this has ever been done before. Um, this project is like putting two in, two in one because now we're traveling the English crew and the Spanish crew at the same time. Our meetings are together. Usually before, you had the English audio or the Spanish audio and then the, the, the SAP audio, which is like a secondary audio. Now everybody's involved. Everybody's in the thread of the emails about every call, every, 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 every meeting, everything. We're everybody in the loop. We're traveling together. We're getting to the same hotels. We are having breakfast together. Those who want to go on a walk or walk out, work out at the gym. We do it together. It's, it's like two teams becoming one. It's a larger production. Um, and the reach, I mean, you don't go to a city, you don't go to a state, you don't go to a region, you don't go to a country. We are able to be 
seen in more than 100 countries. Wow. And, and this is what I see. It's the present going to the future of what we used to call TV. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wow. l- let, me, let me ask you, Marcelo, kind of a follow-up to this. <clears throat> Given that you were, I mean, you were part of the roots of the league. You, you were in early. You've seen this thing through from day one. And now here we are in 2023. We're up to uh, 30 teams or what? what, what Almost 29. 29. 29. Yeah, we, adding 30. You've got Apple, you know, the biggest, the richest company in the world, uh, kind of the mothership now. Yeah. And, and you look at the effect of Messi. You look at just this distribution and everybody, everybody has MLS on their phones. What, what does it mean to you? You know, again, being there in the first inning to now to see the progress yeah. Is it pride? Is it excitement? Describe what it's like working today in the league. That's tough because when we joined, when, we, when I left Mexico with, uh, with Leon, they told us that uh, they wanted all the Americans back. Um, they gave us a choice of three different cities of where we wanted to play. And uh, everybody got allocated to those groups. But at that point, remember, there was Phil Anschutz, the Hunts, mm-hmm. and Thanks yeah. for Coming. Those were the two owners that were owning all the teams. Right. They basically told us that we had three years of funding, and then depending on how things go, we'll see if there's more than that. So we all kind of gave up. Harksy came back. Tab came back from Spain and Mexico. I came back from Mexico. Lexi came back from Italy. I think Ronaldo was in Germany. So we all came back with the illusion that we had three years, and if we did it right, we'd have a job for a little bit longer. Look where we're at today. Yeah. We wow. went from playing at the Horseshoe. In yeah. Ohio State, yeah, we went from playing at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena to stadiums that are just soccer specific or right. entertainment specific, whatever you want to go with, with uh, with all the concerts and stuff. We sit here in a new franchise of St. Louis, who's in first place. <laughs> We're familiar, yeah. So you know, you sit here wondering, did we ever think uh, that we would be here today? I would think probably not. Not so quick. So, you know what I mean? Under under 27 years, you're you're building 29 teams. You've got soccer specific stadiums, and and let's be honest, there's there's I think a few moments in MLS that you've got to go back and say if those moments didn't happen, would we be here? David One Beckham. is David Beckham. Yeah, yeah. You have to go that because David Beckham made the designated rule, designated player rule. He right. turned yeah. that on everybody, and that turned the way teams are looking at being able to spend their money, and then Messi. What Messi's done with the subscription of Apple doubling in less than a month that he's been here. The ratings of $265 million in the first month of jersey sales that outsold, I think it was LeBron and all the Michael Jordan. Um, well, they have some of your money, it looks like. He, I, I took his money. I got no problem. I'm, I'm American Argentinian, buddy. That's I have right. no qualms. I have no qualms nope. with that. I have my Maradona shirt. I got my, I got my Argentinian stack. But there's just things that change a league. And, uh, and those two guys did it. And now they seem to be back together. And they're going to put this league on its head uh, come next year when they're off that restriction. And they're able to put a little bit more money into it. Um, which will be interesting to see what Miami can do. Because, listen, there's going to be a big difference of what Miami looks like now and oh, what they're yeah. going to look like next year. Without so, question. Without you know question. What I mean? so let me ask a follow-up to, to your, your statement, and I'd love anybody's perspective on this. So Beckham didn't show up in 1999. I mean, that was 10 years after the league had started. Mm-hmm. So how did – what do you think it was that kept MLS 
front of mind and kept money coming in. Pre, his owners pre to do the, yeah, yeah, pre backup. Um, I think when you look at it, you know how global this sport is. Okay, and we've always talked about in this league, it was going to be a young American league that was going to get players and sell them. And look at the players that were coming out of this MLS, we'll say. Um, you, you're looking at sponsors that were coming in. Owners were seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Instead of waiting till the bright light got there, they bought in early. Yeah. And look at all those owners that bought in. Even Beckham, when Beckham came in, he negotiated a franchise fee already yeah. to have his own franchise or to buy into LA Galaxy, I believe it was. Yep. So he bought that franchise, I believe it was $25 million, somewhere in there. And now look what that's worth. Wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think everybody saw the future of what all different types of nationalities in this country, the backgrounds, how big soccer is, that it had that potential to grow. I think Phil Anschutz saw it. I think the Hunt saw it. I think a few owners that got in early saw that potential of where this could go, and they're reaping the benefits of it. But they saw little by little. When Beckham decided at that point, I think people were getting a little nervous about that ninth year, where, yep, we, where yep, do we go? Yep, yep. And all of a sudden, Beckham made that decision. Boom. All the owners like, great, we're, we're buying in. You're seeing what you can do with stadiums. I think you're looking at the, the property values of where they put the stadium, what they can use them for. You see them for concerts, for football games. Dallas uses theirs for the state championship games. So I think people saw that it wasn't just a soccer venue. It was entertainment now where it. you can make your money back. And then Messi comes in and... Um, yeah, we'll see what he does. We'll see. He's listen. He's already done twice as much of what I, and I hate to say not what Beckham's done, but when you're talking about David Beckham and you're talking about the best player ever we've ever seen, he's going to change the sport in this country, and he already has. Absolutely. To me, it's easier than what Marcelo said. Beckham introduced the MLS to the world. Okay, I like that. Messi is bringing the world to the MLS. Oh wow. You, you've rehearsed that answer no, before, haven't no, you? No, no, no. And, and, and I have <laughs> another take. I like After it. listening to, to Marcelo, and, and, and you, were, you were talking about music. I love movies. And uh, you're going to laugh, but one of my favorites is the Karate Kid Saga. What? That's the greatest movies. Well, Mr. Miyagi. Mr. Hey, show, Miyagi. Show him your tattoo. Come on. <laughs> Mr. Miyagi had several lines, and one of them referred about strong roots. Yep. The MLS have strong roots. We went through the 08, 09, and 2010 financial crisis, and we're still here. But we're all based probably in one of the most unfair issues or stories that we are just turning around the other direction. It is the 94 team. Yeah. Those guys didn't have a professional league where to play. These guys, if they were playing baseball, football, or any other sports, they should have a, a movie, the type of, like, Remember the Titans or the type of Rudy movie. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, Bad news bears. That, that, that's what we need to get into because we, we, we finally got Marcelo to come on. Uh, and thank you. Um, let's go back to your roots. JB will get us on the timeline here a little bit, but... Um, like just an interesting tidbit is these guys in 94 like Marcella specifically he is playing at at at, um, at at the college and they're playing UCLA and the next week they're playing a World Cup qualifier well think about what's going on now in our youth right now they are they are getting developed in youth academies they're playing for youth national teams there's a lot of teenagers that are playing in Europe and they're coming back to play World Cup qualifiers this guy's group, who is my favorite group ever, I'm wearing the jersey of the 94 <laughs> World Cup, my favorite jersey. These guys 
were college players. They had a semi-pro league that they were playing on Sundays, and then 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 they're playing in college, and then and then uh, here comes Costa Rica in at the soccer park where we're at, right right down the street for a World Cup qualifier. Th- Marcelo, can you talk about? Uh, youth academies. Can you talk about your your era specifically and how much it's changing and evolving? Oh, let's see. Um, well, ODP was big, right? We all play. I think ODP. Yep. Um, colleges recruited at a high school, not at ODP events. So everything was at a high school. I remember uh, Ziggy Schmidt. God rest his soul. He came to a high school game to watch me play. Wow. Which is weird to think, right? At a high school, but. Listen, we didn't have the opportunities that, that, that we have right in front of us now. It was either ODP or you went to college and you played college soccer and then you played in the uh, WSL, the Western Soccer Alliance or the, you know what I mean? There were so many different semi-pro leagues. I played for mm-hmm. the Blackhawks in San Francisco. I played for the um, San Francisco Bay Blackhawks and the Colorado Foxes. So as a kid, um, when I used to tell people that I wanted to be a professional soccer player, um, <laughs> I, I got a lot of people laughing at me. I'm not going to lie in high school, you know, even the girlfriend told me to go get a real job. So <laughs> I wonder what she's thinking right now. You know what I mean, back then? But no, I, listen, the academy now is great because of the fact that it gives these kids the highest competition possible. It, it gives them an opportunity to play against other MLS teams. The only way you develop kids, and I used to coach as up until last year, I coached the U14s for the Colorado Rapids. Yep. The only way you can make these kids uh, understand what the next level is, is by putting them in an environment where they're not comfortable. Yeah. So when you're got a, and I have last year, I had a, the youth 14s, which really means they're 13 years old. Right. I had a 12 year old playing with me and starting with me because it was too easy for him. So I pulled him up and he got his butt handed to him the first few games because he didn't understand the physicality. Within a three-week period, that kid was the best player on the field again. Wow. Because he understood the challenges that he's going to have to, what he did at 12s, he can't do at 14s because they'll just knock him off the ball. So I think when you look at this, it's given our kids an opportunity, and we've always wanted to make soccer a global sport. Bottom line, we wanted to make this league a global sport, and it took a long time but now when you talk about scouts from Europe, from South America, where's the first place they're going to look right now? They're coming to the United States. Yeah. MLS they're Next. They're coming to look at the MLS Next. They're looking at the kids, the homegrowns that are being signed. So I think we're finally at a point where we did the soccer part. We're still not 100% there because we're still, people say we're not in the top five, which I get. Are we better than La Liga? No. Are we better than the Bundesliga? No. The EPL? No. That's the Fantasy League. We know that. But are we inching our way up there? One hundred percent, we are, and people don't like that. Are we as good as? Are we as good as the EPL? No. Minus the top seven teams? No. We're not. No. no I, I would even say the championship is. I would think if no, I think if you were to take, but you got to remember though, the the salary cap that we have, there's no real salary cap in England. Understood. So you really can't. Understood. You know, I mean, I think we're still compared to Liga Mekis. Okay, and we're still fighting of we're getting better than, yeah, you know, we may be better in the infrastructure. We have better stadiums. We have the franchise, how it's run with the academies. Yes, that might be better, but we're still not there on the soccer side because we're not beating the Mexican teams consistently. If you're telling me if LAFC would have beat Leon, then we're talking a different ballgame. You know, that's two Champions Leagues back to back, but we didn't. We lost. 
the MLS lost. So well, we're still fighting that battle. Yeah. Let, let me ask you guys a question kind of with the bookends of your uh, Beckham to Messi. And we're talking about player development, the quality of the league. You know, if you look at those two outside scenarios, Beckham being first, you know, there was a lot of like, not hatred, but a little bit of shade that was thrown at the DPs early on because it was like 35, 36, 37. You know, you're catching everybody in the bottom of the ninth of their careers. Yes, Messi is roughly the same age, but I, he's, he's on a different plane. Do you see his introduction into the league as well as the current development of players within academies and, and the current quality, the overall quality of the youth here locally? Do you think that the ability to uh, legitimately uh, procure more global players in that 20, 21 to 25, 27 is that going to be a byproduct of Messi and the development and the competition as well? Um, or does it need to be money? I think the, the league has had its ups and downs. At points, we were all Americans playing in the league with a few older players. Then we went into the phase where we brought in a few older players. Then people started calling this the retirement league. We'll go just leave the yep. name of NYCFC and the players they brought in. Right. Um, when you look at that with Pirlo and those guys, everybody thought it's a retirement league. They're coming here just to enjoy themselves. So the league's gone... Like anywhere else, it's it's been up and it's been down. It's it's been evolving. Um, now you look at this league and you tell me what old guy is coming here to retire that really you're surprised that is playing in this team, right? You know, besides Messi, take Messi out of the picture. Who else has brought in a guy that's 36 years old or 35? Sharp maybe with LA, but he scored three goals in the first four games that he's played in. He just scored well, on us last week. Yeah. Well, do you do you think also the the role that the Saudi league is playing in? in buying a lot of those pedigree names at the, the later phases? I would, is, is that legitimizing I, us I a little think, bit more? I don't think MLS is worried right. about that, but I think the European teams are. Yeah, I think are. the European, the EPL, the Germans, the, the Spaniards, they're all worried because the money that they're throwing out is picking their players, not ours, right. picking their players and taking them to Saudi Arabia. So I think it's it's a bigger concern for England and Europe than it is for the MLS, in my opinion, from what I've seen, because they've picked one, I think, Zalirian. That makes from, sense. From Columbus, I believe, is the only one that's really gone over there. That's that's also another point that, that puts the U.S. into the globalization of soccer. And, and by being there, you're talking about the U.S. You're not talking about Argentina. You're not talking about Mexico. You're not talking about Brazil. They're exporting teams. Uh, players, but they're not part of that uh, pool of countries. Because we also have to understand, you, you were mentioning if it's about money. Yes, it is. It's a business. Right. The, uh, players build a career, a career that is not always as long as Messi's, like around 20 years, being successful. I mean, it's very hard to stay on top that long. What is the average? What, what, do you would know, Mar Marcelo. What is the average? It's changed. When I played, your people were retiring about 33. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, you looked at some of the goalkeepers retiring at 40, 41. Players are playing up into the third. Chiellini, 39, just turned 39 the other day. Wow. And he's was that just nutrition, level. sports science, stuff well, like that? There was no freaking nutrition. No. We played well, the coach. No. We're running the freaking <laughs> Cooper today. Go run the Cooper. And then, we did, <laughs> and then we did the beep test, which no one knew what the beep test. And then we did a Swedish test, which everybody's like, what is this? Then we did sprints. I mean, I think the weirdest one for us is we did a thing with uh, Gansler. 
and great coach love the guy but we did 20 yard sprints with five seconds rest 20 boom you get there five seconds rest back you did 20 of those five minute rest then we did 20 40 yard sprints with seven seconds rest by the time we hit the 60s and 80s everybody was out puking so back then there was no real fitness the kids have the pods now in the back oh yeah they can track their distance their explosiveness their this their workload wow it's like how do you pull a muscle nowadays you, you had <laughs> mentioned gains uh gains I, I, i'm glad you mentioned it um your dad um you you, you mentioned that you're from argentinian descent yep. he he came he played he was a he was a pro yep um he trained you and your brother he was a coach um when he went to Chicago and played pro, did he not play with Ganser? He did. He did? He played with Ganser with the Chicago Mustangs. That's awesome. And wow. He, um, before the 90 World Cup, I got Ganser took me under his wing, we'll say. He said that he reminded me of him. I'm like, great. I love it. That's phenomenal. And they never told me that they knew each other. My dad never told me that he played with Ganser, and Ganser never told me. So uh, when he announced that I was pulled me in a room and told me that I was going to the 90 World Cup, um, told me I wasn't going to start, gave me the whole thing because I hurt my leg and he had to give. And this is what I respected most. I didn't like it, but I respected most about Ganser. He was up front. He made it very clear. Listen, these guys got me here. These guys got us to this point to play in the first World Cup game. So they're going to get the first opportunity to play. And as a young kid, I was like, but, <laughs> but I respected that because at least you knew and you respected the players that helped get this country after 40 years of not qualifying. Yep. They got us there. We all did, but they get the first shot at it. And he made that very clear to me. And then after he told me that, he's like, uh, you don't talk as much as your dad. And I kind of <laughs> sat there. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. I'm like, well, how do you know my dad? And he's like, well, we played together with the Chicago Mustangs back here. And he went through the whole story. And you're like, we called, dad, we what called, the hell? I, I know. He's like, we called your dad the radio because he never shut up. And I was like, hmm, okay. So I went home told pops that uh that i made the team after the trip because we when we played back in the old days you would fly in 10 days into miami and you would train yep and then you play the game and go home so i went home and told my dad he's like yeah i didn't want to tell you i'm like oh thanks but <laughs> they they kept it from me until he announced how, that I made how that. old were you there were you 19 20 no no i went to san diego state at 21 because i played in the youth world cup okay uh in 87 mm-hmm. so i believe the first world cup was 23 three somewhere in the 24 so moving forward with u.s coaches and and just so our listeners can understand the timeline bora um what does he mean for u.s soccer in your estimation does he change u.s soccer in your eyes i mean what 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 did he do for our national team program when he came in he had a little bit more of an advantage the experience bob ganser didn't have that experience ralph perez i remember walking into our first game and our coaching staff, because scouting back then was very, very tough to find teams uh-huh. and VHS tapes. They said, we're going to be bigger, stronger. And we're going to match up with the Czech Republic pretty well. We um, we will go warm up. You can't really see them from the other side of the field. <laughs> they, look, they look decently our size. <laughs> we get into the locker room, and now they call the teams to come down this tunnel to get ready to go out to the game. I wasn't starting, and at that point, I was upset. But when I saw them, I was quite happy. <laughs> We walk out, and they're at least two to three inches. Every single player but one was probably 6'3". Six, six, they were four. all Yetis. They were huge, man. Oh and we were like, we were told we were going to be able to match these guys. <laughs> and next thing you know, they, they took it to us. But uh, listen, um, it was a learning experience. 
what we did, what, what Gans did, he took us through a period of where we had to learn with the World Cup. You can watch it and you can see it on TV, but until you step on that bus and you go to your first game, you have no clue what a World Cup game was at that point. Because we were the Americans that have never been there. Yep. You see it on TV and you're like, oh, it's another tournament. But I tell you what, the effect of what a World Cup was, when we, walked to, when we drove to the stadium and all the American fans were outside, we were like, what the hell's going on? Wow. You know what I mean? So it was, it was a learning experience that led us into Bora. Bora came in and disrupted everything. Because we can Bora play was now. different. We're, we're going to play. No, no, Bora knew we were athletic. Okay, and that's one thing everybody talked about. If the Americans are going to play, they're going to play for 90 minutes. They're going to run, they're going to fight, they're going to scratch, but they don't play great soccer. So Bora came in and basically explained to us that why can't you play good soccer? And we just kind of looked at him as well because we run a lot. And he's like, no. He goes, you put your pants on the same way the Mexicans do, the Costa Ricans, the teams that he's coached. He goes, we're just going to change a few things. So we went back to a 4-4-2. We went to a very slow possession, moving the ball around until we were able to find it. People got hated it for a while. But we were patient enough to wait till we found gaps and we would go. And we had to build that little by little. And it all came to fruition in 91 when Bora took us to the 91 Gold Cup and we walk out. And I'll tell you what, the Trinidad game was the best one we probably played because the bus didn't show up. We all drove in cabs to Pasadena. We showed up 30 minutes before the game. Bora drove, Bora, Bora drove a car with us in the car. We had to find different ways to get to the, to the Rose Bowl because we played Trinidad that night. This is before And Uber. the bus didn't come, didn't break, it broke down or something. We didn't have anything. So we were getting Holy in cabs and cars. So we get there about 30, 40 minutes before the game. We warm up quickly. We beat Trinidad and we're like, okay. And it all came when we had to play Mexico. Mexico was the key for us. We needed a big win to believe in what Bora was selling. Yeah, absolutely. And every player does that, believe in a coach. So when we beat Mexico 2-0, Bora walked into the locker room. He looks at her, but I told you, they put their pants on the way we do. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> When's the last oh time God. the United States has had a result up to that against Mexico? We never did. Never. I, not that I never remember, is the but answer. that was the first international CONCACAF, whatever you want to go, FIFA-sanctioned tournament that we were able to win with Bora. God bless and as you. soon as he as soon as we won that people bought in this team it didn't matter if other people bought in the players bought in and that was the most important thing because we weren't sure about the slow moving the ball trying to find the gaps because we stopped playing long ball over the top that's it my first practice with the u.s national team was lothar oc ender mm -hmm. i walk out there and i just came from the under 20 world cup and he put me in the back and we were doing full field patterns starting at our goal and finishing on the other side Ball in, ball back, long ball to the left midfielder or the left wing at times because there were wings. He would run down, play it back. We would switch to the right, attack the box, cross, everybody back. Wow. We were doing set patterns. So Bora allowed us to think yeah. and breathe soccer. And when you don't, that's where you started seeing Bora replacing players. Did he change the game uh, he in changed, your estimation? He, in changed US, he changed U.S. soccer. He changed the way we played, the style we played, and he changed and saw, let people see the beauty of what we can do. That's not just awesome. as not as runners, because we're runners and we're fighters and we're always good in the air. We're good on set pieces and everybody knew that. But now he allowed us to play on the ground. And I think that surprised a lot of teams. So so let's talk about that transition then out of ninety one and you're you're approaching <clears throat> next World Cup coming up's in your backyard. Yeah. That's at home. Yeah. Um, 
you you talked about your experience in '90, a little bit of the frustration, lack of playing time. Uh, you're, you you just experienced '91 with Bora. Uh, you guys believe in the system. You're part of you're yep. part of that fabric. You know '94 is going to be a game changer for everybody. I mean, a, anybody yeah. with half a brain in America knew that that was special. You guys also knew that part of that deal coming down the pipe was the new pro league, you know, that was yep. going to be coming out later. How important was 93 and that preparation, those, the qualifiers uh, for you having the experience that you did in 90 and knowing what was going to be on the other side of 94? And financially, were you one of those players that got one of the, the early contracts? No. No. You, um, I'll just say this. God is good because I almost didn't play in the 90 World Cup because uh, I tore my uh, MCL playing in a game. They re I recuperated decently fast, and they put me on the team. 94, I tore my ACL in 93 against Finland uh, on ABC, had a microphone, had a camera on me, yes. tore my ACL, made it back in six months to play in the 94 World Cup. So Wow. Um, no qualifiers, so that was the hard part for us. Right. We had to go. We went to Europe. We went everywhere. We went to Turkey, uh, Romania. We went to Russia. We went to Saudi Arabia. We went to Japan. We went all over the world trying to find games that would get us to be ready to play in a World Cup because we didn't have those consistent games in a qualifiers. And I think the last game we played was at home against Mexico at the, uh, at the Rose Bowl. So... The game was just evolving for us little by little, but the hardest part was for U.S. soccer because now in 92, they decided to offer everybody a full-time contract. And that meant we had to live together, we had to train together, everything was in the same in Mission Viejo. Right. And it was funny because I went there about a month and a half ago, I went to go visit that, I went to visit mom and dad and saw the facility and it's brought back some pretty cool memories. That's awesome. So, but... Uh, the idea of three different apartments, the complexes, we'd all get together in the morning and train. We'd train in the afternoon. Um, it, was, it was a pro team. We were a pro team living together with rotating players every few months. Every right. few months, Bor was bringing in, I remember he brought in uh, Roy Lasseter. He brought in Jason Kreis. He brought in, he was bringing in guys, younger guys at that point, that were 18, 17, you know, trying to spark a little bit. But um, he, he knew what he was doing. Mm -hmm. He went out. He knew about Roy Wegerly. He knew about Ernie Stewart. Yeah. He knew about Thomas Dooley. And these are guys that were, I mean, pivotal for what we did in the World Cup. So um, when, when you look at that group, it was a special group. Absolutely. Because we didn't have a pro league to play in. We played in a semi-pro league every Saturday night. We played against each other, basically. I remember Trichy played for Tampa and <laughs> Albany, and you know what I mean? There were teams like that. So when you got a bunch of misfits, we'll say, that didn't have that pro experience to do what we did that structure. in that 94 World Cup, I think people don't really realize what we didn't have compared to other teams in the world they were playing. I mean, Tab was playing in Spain, I think uh, Waggerly and those guys, but the rest of us trained every day, twice a day in Mission Viejo, getting ready to represent our country we were told very clearly you're going to be an ambassador of the sport but you also got to find a way a way to make sure that we qualify for the next round and that was bora's job and bora i tell you he is just motivator we'll, we'll go with that he knows how to motivate you yeah and uh and it was interesting like i said it was i'm thankful for bora because he 
he stood by me when I tore my ACL. The other three coaches did not. To this day, they deny it. But I sat there and I heard them basically tell him, boy, we need to get rid of Marcelo. He's not going to make it back. He's not going to be the same player. We need to move on. And Bora said, relax, be patient. And if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have played in the 94 World Cup. Wow. So that's what the, the things that, you know what, it's amazing because after that, you look at that, I got voted the most valuable player on the U.S. team, almost scored a bicycle kick. We're, we're and, familiar. And that one, and, and <laughs> to this day, to this day. We have the video to prove it. Yeah. Oh, my God. And, you know, and the others. And, no, and it's funny, to this day, not one of those unfortunate people have ever came and apologized so that, we, that they were wrong. Really? Yeah. No, wow. that's horseshit. Not one. And the 98, worst World Cup experience you'll ever see in your life. Do you guys remember the movie Miracle on Ice? Oh, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. That's Miracle on Grass. I mean, that 94 project was a Miracle on yeah. Grass. And just to add something about Boren. Bad News Bears. Stick to the line. <laughs> You're too old to play the Bad News Bears. Bad News uh, Bears. Bora came from Europe when, when European players didn't used to go to Mexico. Yep. And um, he became part of UNAM Pumas which yep. is the most yep. important university. They, they made the, the first tier in the early 60s. Absolutely. It was a very young thing back then. And, and Bora worked with the youth ranks and, and, and brought very young players to, to the professional rank. And, and it was not a dynasty, but it was an amazing generation that fed the national team like with the uh, largest base along many years and probably along many, probably two or three decades. Wow. Bombas was the base of the national Mexican team. Absolutely. And uh, Bora built that. Bora was the manager in 86, which was a very important and special World Cup in Mexico because it was held there and the pressure was incredible. There was every kind of problem, just probably like Marcelo was mentioning. If it was a globalized world, like the one that we're living right now, Bora would be like probably at the level of Sigi. Unfortunately, he's a very quiet man. And like, like Marcelo was uh, kind of imitating him. He had this phrase in Spanish, yo respeto, I respect everyone. Everything started with respect for him. He was a very quiet man talking, uh, very clear concepts. And um, not only that, he has the record for teams coach at FIFA World Cups. That's not easy. Yeah, I, I didn't mean, realize that. That's I awesome. So a, a very important guy coached this team and was a part of he, building. He was a very smart man who knew how to play you. How's that? He's on oh, the yeah, Mount Rushmore at CONCACAF for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's awesome. I mean, I, in 94, man, I was freshman in college. Oh. Games are here and... You know, you guys were. It was. It was. A, it was a special moment. It was time. So, here's what we're gonna do. Because we are down at Urban Chestnut, and we have empty glasses, and that is a faux pas. We are gonna take a quick break. We are gonna get some refills, and we're gonna be back. A little more chat with Marcelo Balboa and his crew. Jorge Perez. <laughs> Thank you. I I, I butcher. <laughs> Just JPN. 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 I can remember that. JB. I'm JB. You're JPN. There you go. We got it, man. <laughs> we'll be right back. Thanks for listening. Love it. Yo, Jared here. Remember the pool pandemic of 2021? I was infected. I needed my own oversized oasis in Wentzville. I needed a simple solution to pay for it. So I reached out to my favorite undefeated CBC freshman standouts, 
Bill and Chris at The Pinnacle Loans. Long story short, I have my pool. It's a flipping hammer. The loan process with those guys was so simple. Even I did it. Now, every time I get in my pool to drink ice cold beer, I can thank the team over at ThePinnacleLoans.com. That's ThePinnacleLoans.com. 20 and 0 as freshmen? Really? Here we go. Got some uh, cold beers. Oh, yeah. Refilled. I'm excited. Guess this bobbin. It's a good one. You struck a chord. It's a good one, man. Uh, all these songs, by the way, because, again, music's important to our show. There's always an attempted theme. And I really didn't know what direction to go, so I just picked your birth year. All right. <laughs> these are all uh, nice. Birth year. Look it up on Wikipedia. I won't say the year. All right. You can, I'm okay with it. There 67. I'm okay. There we go. I'm 56. I'm proud of it, man. <laughs> well, we're back. Marcelo Balboa and JPN. How you doing, man? Enjoying 69. Yourself? I think uh, I'm a rooster. You're not oh. 69. I'm 54 years old. Uh, Going on 55 in general. Okay. Yeah, I got the same thing when I saw him. I thought like, 60. You're right. Shit. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> You're going to have to walk longer tomorrow. <laughs> that six miles just turned into 7.2. <laughs> well, we're down here in St. Louis at uh, Urban Chestnut Brewing Company, uh, home of Oktoberfest here in two weeks, 29th, 30th. And we are chatting with U.S. men's national team legend Marcelo Balboa and his cohort on Apple... MLS coverage, JPN. Um, you know, I mean, there's a million different ways to go here. And, you know, I, I, I want to go, I actually want to go back to our earlier conversation, talking about the league, MLS in particular, the the advances, the changes. And I want to spend a little bit of time on our beloved, new, bright, shiny toy, St. Louis City SC. Uh, you mentioned earlier that you guys have done six games here already, roughly. Six, right? Give or take? Five, six? Give or take. Yes, yep. give or take. Um, clearly, you know a lot about the league. Uh, you're, you've, you've seen the stadium. You, you've met some of the staff, some of the players. You've watched us play. You look at the standings. You know the other players and the teams in the league. What, just for our listeners that are clearly St. Louis heavy, give us, a, give us your thoughts. Your, your, uh, yeah, but yeah, both of your takes on St. I'll Louis. Let, I'll let Jorge go first. Yeah, man. Well, we, yeah. we, we had the um, call with uh, Coach... Uh, before tomorrow match and um, the team is seven points shy of uh, breaking the the record of uh, most points for a first year franchise in the MLS I think that says a lot I mean they have a struggle I think to me it's like a wild roller coaster ride (laughs) because they have had these great streaks and then they go down and then they can find the way and then they go up again and then some player goes down so it's been a very interesting uh, season I think it's a team that has more heart, and this is said with utmost respect. Cello can be more specific about the soccer uh, topics, but I think it's a, it's it's like a William Wallace type of uh, game. Yeah. It's a lot of heart, <laughs> exactly. It's a lot of heart. It's it's a lot of uh, spirit. It's it's a it's a big fight in them for ninety minutes, and and that always brings emotion that brings the passion in the stands the stadium it's amazing since the first moment that we got to it we said man this is one of the nice stadium in in, in the city and we have been part of 
sellouts and, and, and the passion is there. So when, when you are working that atmosphere, it's, it's like a day at the park. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Well, that's a good team. <laughs> you know, I, listen, I'm going to be honest. People always say, oh, I knew they were going to do this. BS. Uh, I had them down, I think, around 11 or 12. Um, didn't know much about St. Louis. You looked at the roster of players, and you're thinking to yourself, okay, there's not a lot of players you, you know. So I, I have no problem being honest, and they've pleasantly surprised me. Touche. Because of, you know, <laughs> it, it's just reality. When you have a new franchise and you're not seeing the players, you're not seeing these big signings, you're wondering who they're bringing in. Mm -hmm. So Bradley did a nice job. He brought in these players. He has his profile of what he's looking for in players. He's done a nice job of putting his game model out there, putting everything he wants, his principles as a team, well-organized, and uh, a very, very hard team to break down. Um, are they the most flashiest soccer team? Are they going to lighten up the, 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 the Miami like Miami plays? No, but that's not their style. They're yeah. going to drop back. They're going to play that 4-4-2 or 4-2-3-1. They're going to suck you in. They're going to let you commit numbers, and then they're going to quickly hit you in transition on a counterattack, and they're going to get in behind you. So I think they've done a great job. I would not, and I asked the coach the other day, do you surprised? And I think everybody's like, well, you know, I think in your head you always think this is where you want to be. But I didn't expect it, and I think it's great. I think it's surprised everybody. It's put everybody on their heels. And now you can finish the season, but you can't. If you're going to have a successful season, coming in first place in the West is great, but you don't win anything for that you're besides right. a CONCACAF bid. A trophy is always what you want. So it doesn't matter what you do now. It's what you do when that playoff comes. Yep. And the pressure of a lot of these guys not understanding what a playoff game is and having to go... Let's just say, let's just throw out Portland yeah, or Seattle. It's a different atmosphere when you're talking about, you wow. know what I mean? And it's not a one-game elimination anymore, which is nice. So they'll get two games if it stays. Uh, they'll get two games at home and one on the road, which right. is an advantage for them. Well, talk on this, Marcella, because you've been in the league for 30 freaking years. Yeah. So as a player <laughs> and, you know, as more or less a homegrown in Colorado. I don't need to be so violent about that. Uh, 30 years. Man, this is, yeah. <laughs> Get used how to much, it, man. We're used to it. How much of um, the COVID year did that ownership, did that coaching staff, did that help them build that team, do you think? Did they get a little bit of an unfair advantage um, as an expansion market that most expansion teams did not get? Oh, why would it be a disadvantage? There's, well, no, there's no rules. There's no rules there when a franchise no rule. starts. If the franchise wants to put the money down a year early and let that coaching staff coach in the USL, is that against the rules? No. So it's not a disadvantage. Matter of fact, I believe Berkey and a few other players played in that league to understand. Yeah. Yeah. I might have missed what. No, was no, it no, an no. advantage? No, but I'm saying it's an advantage because they thought, had a plan, and put it into place. Now, if other franchises that are starting and coming into the league, hint San Diego, would probably think about doing the same thing of already starting to bring in some of the players, letting them play in the USL, even though San Diego, the loyal, are no longer going to be there, supposedly. Mm -hmm. But if this model worked, why not let people get adapted to the soccer in the United States to travel? So is it a disadvantage or advantage? I think they're just very intelligent in how they put their That's game awesome. model together with the, with the ownership and the coaching staff 
and 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 just moving in the right direction slowly so when you do start an mls it's not a big shock of oh lord what's going on here so i think they did a great job you know what i mean but at the end of the day listen it's fun to watch them play the stadium's great yeah we were there the first day they brought up the perina dog thing right with the, the dog <laughs> suite over there which is cool we got to hang out with the dogs um, I, listen, it, it's one of the best stadiums in Major League Soccer. So I want to go down a, a path you, you, you touched <clears throat> on just a second ago, which is the playoffs. The new system this year, three-game elimination yep. for the conference semifinals. You said you liked that idea. As a broadcaster, we get more games. I, <laughs> okay. Job security. So We're just going to be in the booth forever. That's what I was going to ask, which is, is it good for the league from a, an exposure standpoint to get more games out there. Um, but from a, 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 a soccer, you know, trying to compare our leagues yeah. to the others in, in, in the world. What are your, what are you your can't compare there? our league to any other league in the world? Cause we don't have relegation. I Let's know. just be straight up that pressure right there in itself. When I went to Mexico and Greece, it kills you. Yeah. It gives you anxiety because if you're towards the bottom and you have a big game, you have an owner and I'll tell you, Leon, we were not at the bottom, but it was, we're playing Club America at home. The, the owner walks in and we're kind of laughing, going, yeah, okay. You know, he comes to say hi. He's got a briefcase. He drops the briefcase, pulls the captain aside and the coach. He comes over. They, everybody's quiet. The coach says very clearly, this is a bonus. If you happen to win today, opens a briefcase. This will be divided between all of you. The, the captains will decide how much each player starts and that gets. But there was probably 20 grand in there. <laughs> How's that, how, how's that motivation for you? Yeah. Okay. So there's, there's a difference. You know, I mean, playoffs here are different. I think it's an advantage now. Instead of a one-game elimination, you have the best two out of three. You've got to keep trying here in the States because the relegation shoots. Everywhere around the world, relegation is it. You know, even Mexico took it out, and they're struggling with their players, with their style. Everything is kind of weird. That intensity went away. So you've got to find other ways. So Apple and the league wanted to try two out of three, see what happens, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of cool because it gives yeah. you could have one bad game and you're still in it. Um, the knockout game is great. It's one game elimination. Thanks for coming. And so I think it'll be interesting to see how the last two teams get to the final. How fatigued are they if they have to go three and three? That's a long you know I mean? postseason. Yeah, for but it starts to feel a little bit like hockey, you know, where you're, you're balancing um, you know, because I look at our team, and we and you and you mentioned the lack of a, a true marquee threat. You know, on the field, running down the field, yeah. uh, but we do have a marquee goalie, yeah. right? And, and a lot. You know, the comparison to hockey. Look, just play good team D, and if your goalie's hot, you're going to go a long ways. You know, in a, in a two out yeah, of but three, you got to score goals. You, correct. Yeah. You got to score goals. goals. And now that you got Klaus back, yeah, that helps a little yeah. bit. You know, you've got. Listen, championships are won by playing defense. Yeah. Yeah. Bottom line. So you've got Berkey, you've got Parker. You've got pretty good. You've got Norwinsky. That's You're looking at pretty good back line that you got there. So, again, it's just a little bit of luck now. Yeah. All it takes is one injury here, one injury there. You've got four games left, five games left. So it just depends. In MLS, it's been shown and proven historically that the team that gets on a run the last two to three games – can make a run yep. at the MLS Cup, be it the 97 Colorado frickin' Rapids. Yeah. We reached the final. Are you familiar? We were, we were the eighth <laughs> seed, and we reached the final. Yeah. Portland, two, three years ago, playing at home, losing to NYCFC. They went on a run the last two games of the year. They took off and almost won a championship, but reached the final. So that's, that's 
a little bit of of what you need, a little bit of luck. But listen, I I thought that your team, St. Louis, would fade a little bit during the summer months the way they pressed, and they didn't. So they're past that summer heat. They're getting into this fall season, which is perfect for the way they run. Now again, it's a little bit of luck. Yep. Let me ask you one uh, regarding that hot streak. Uh, regarding the team that's on your chest right now. Yep. Um, you know where I'm going with this. Yep. Um, a, do you think Messi and crew make the playoffs? And B, do you, would you want to be any team facing them at this point? I don't mind facing them now. I don't think I'd want to face them in the playoffs. Yeah. I, I just think that if they get on a run again, um, we'll just see if Messi's healthy enough to play tomorrow. That's a big key. If he doesn't play and they lose, that, that you know, that's a... Yeah, that's a that's pretty a good bit, indication. That's a bad loss. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. A, I mean, losing lose losing game. five to two, and I thought it was funny the other day. Somebody said to me, "Oh, Miami's got a great team," and I said, "Okay, so take Busquet, take Jordi Alba, and take Messi off the team. Where were they at? They're in last place. Yeah. So is it a good team, or is it you brought in three quality players right. that now make everybody else better? But it, it makes them better because it takes the pressure off of everybody else. Now yeah. Busquets has it. Messi has it. Look at look at the players they have. They've got some good players, well, but not not without those three. They're a last place team. Yeah, we talked about it earlier. Whenever he first came on, because of, you know, a friend of ours, uh, DeAndre Yedlin, right? Yeah, he goes from a last place right back to arguably the best right back for a two three week run and leagues cup with one hundred percent. You know what I'm saying? Well, my thought. Go may, ahead. May I also bring just one tiny little topic to the table? All this hype around the Inter Miami goes for Leagues Cup and the U.S. Open Cup, not related to MLS. Correct. It has been, what, one, two games well, with Messi? It is related, it is related That's to it. MLS. But yeah, but, but, but the, the numbers, the stat, they haven't done really like a turnout for the team yet. My, my thoughts are the left wing. How about that guy um, prior to ML, uh, Messi and Busquets and then what the left wing is doing now? Robert Taylor. I yeah, mean, Taylor. He, he looks like freaking all world right now. But he's got all the room in the world because all the teams are crap. Listen, it's not, <laughs> yeah. nothing against them. I, I, I get it. He's a good kid. He's a good player. But when you mark him, mark him, and he's a focal point, it was difficult for him to get in behind. Absolutely. Now, where's the focal point? Not in the middle of the on field. The <laughs> Everybody's always looking over their shoulder. Where's Messi? Where's Busquets? You're looking around. All of a sudden, this kid's got room. Which is great. And he's getting the ball in places that he's never gotten the ball before the in stride. That, the balls that he's getting. Uh, oh, my God. You know, uh, Campana, the balls he's getting. It's yeah. like, and listen, they've they got good players. There's no they doubt do. about they that. Do. But when you bring in Messi, he's going to draw attention. And I think there's pictures of him when he's drawing five or six guys. Look at the League's Cup final. When he gets that ball and he dribbles by four guys and puts in the upper 90. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? But, but so. like, like Marcelo mentioned, the example of the suitcase with the probably 20 grand. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're playing with the best of the whole history, you don't want to be a bump. You don't want him to call you a bump. You, yeah. you, you always try to go above your 100%. That's, that's, I think, a very important kick in your psychological game. And, and that also has changed part of the face of the team. I know he's going to disagree with me, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, everybody, everybody has their own opinion, man. I, I'm, you know I, I, mean? I just... I, I want to ask you guys because you've been around the world relegation obviously is not something i see in the future of mls uh, for a long long time if ever but ever you don't think ever you just spent 500 million i know that san diego's never gonna no but i'm saying you spent even if you spent 300 million on a franchise for mls usl spending five yeah you're okay with going to the second division no, that's why I said I don't go. think it'll ever happen. Yeah. <laughs> but do you think it would be 
would we have to get to that point to be considered a top five league? Um, yes, I, I do. Mean, because that we, pressure, we, yeah. if you've never been in a position where you're fighting relegation and you're fighting every week to stay up and you feel that pressure, then, you know, playing an MLS is great. I remember playing and we lost, I think it was uh, seven to four. And I think we still have the highest uh, scoring game against the LA Galaxy. I walked out of the stadium and the kids, can I get you autograph? You were great today. And I'm like, hmm. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that that pressure, it, it makes people better. Yeah. Organization. When you're playing without pre- when you're playing on Sunday league and there's no pressure, you just kind of play that fun and you get pissed off because maybe somebody doesn't pass you a ball. When you have a chance of being dropped to the second division, that's pressure. Yeah. That's pressure. Right. That, and the that, economics that, that, that gets come your with livelihood. It. Hey, right. c- case right. in point, look at Kansas City. <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah. Well, well They're out of relegation. They're in a playoff spot right now. Yeah, I know. They're ninth, tenth. Hey, no, it's a playoff spot. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you about one, one more topic because I know you guys got uh, some plans here in a little bit. Uh, I got to ask about another team that means you know the world to you yep. in today's terms, and that is current national team. Yep. Um, Let's just start with the 10,000-foot view. You look at this, you know, the top 20, 25 players, you know, the nucleus of the team moving forward out of uh, the, the previous World Cup. Yep. We're going into, qual- uh, well, no no qualifying. We're going into a restructuring under Burhalter Part 2. How do you feel about the team? How do you feel about the roster? Um, just give us, you know, the, the summary statement. There's no restructuring. Because Greg came right back in. BJ was his assistant. He, they did everything that Bert Halter wanted them to do. So um, disappointed in the, in the window because they didn't have great teams to play against. But they were games, so that's good. Um, listen, I, I think you're going to see um, not a lot of changes in the next three to four years of players. I mean, the group they have right now is so young. You know, maybe, and I hate to say it, maybe Tim Ream because of his age. Maybe doesn't reach this next World Cup. Maybe he does. Depends how fit he stays. Yeah. But when you've got Richards and other guys that are knocking the door down, it's like, so I, I'd say maybe five to six players max. And you always say five to six because somebody will get injured. Something will happen before the World Cup. Yeah. So it's just a matter of, of finding those players. But I, I don't see much of a, of a switch in system. I don't see much of a switch in, in personnel. The only thing I can see is I hope they work out the Gio Reyna thing sooner than later because I think yeah. that's a big cloud over that team right now. Do, do you think he's a special player? He's got to prove it, doesn't he? I, I mean, to they, be a special yeah. player, you've got yes. to have you, – you've, I mean, I, I, he's done well. Okay, there's no doubt about it. And he's one of the best and most, I mean, gifted players out there. But, again, I think you, you – attitude comes with a lot and mentality comes with a lot. So I think he's got to show the right mentality. And uh, listen, he's a kid. He made a mistake. We all make mistakes, do we not? So now uh, it's just a matter of sitting down between. <laughs> no, but listen, what, yeah. what the parents yeah. did are different. What the parents did are different. Oh my God. A kid is going to make a mistake. He's going to pout because he's not playing. I'd rather have a kid that's pouting, that's smiling, sitting on the bench. I don't want a kid that's happy to be sitting on the bench. So I get that well part. Said. Yeah. But the parent thing went over a line. So now U.S. soccer, Greg Berthoff, the Geo, have to find a way to mend that fence to move forward because he will be on the World Cup team. He will be a huge factor on that World Cup team. But you got to mend that fence sooner than later and move forward. After that, 
Uh, competition is going to be important who they're playing and supposedly Germany they're trying to play Argentina Brazil but it's always tough because you're playing they've got World Cup qualifiers we don't right so the, I think the task that will be the hardest thing will, is trying to put a proper schedule leading into that 2026 World Cup that is competitive enough to be for ready. them to be ready for that yeah. World Cup yeah well said so best case worst case um, your expectations for the team come 26 let's say all things being equal, and there's no major quarterfinal. Quarterfinals, your minimum quarterfinal. I didn't. I gotta love the emphatic. He's an. He, but listen, we know. went. We went I, from. I we went from the '90s where we were happy to be there. '94, we just praying to get out of the group because that's what everybody wanted. And every year, it's built up. So we're at a point where we've got players, special players, playing on special teams in Champions League, the best leagues in the world. Why are we settling for just getting out of the group? I agree. Why are we settling for a just the next, the, the fourth game. Why, I mean, we should be looking at a quarterfinal. No minimum, minimum for me is a quarterfinal. Yeah. Max would be a final, which would be great. Semifinal would be great. I love it. Quarterfinals a minimum. That's the pressure this team has and will carry for the next four years. And if they don't do it, then they failed. Because this is the golden generation. No one's, we have never had, and you can't compare us to 94 to this group because we've never had the opportunity these kids have had. Because yeah. no one would open a door for an American in 94, ever. Yep. open a door very few these guys are playing in italy they're playing in germany they're playing in spain they're playing in england right those are the four best leagues in the world yeah and they're not just there they're playing no, they're starting and they're playing yeah so yes, you're right my you're expectations right. are nothing less than a minimum of a quarterfinal our listeners will kill us our friends will kill us our families will kill us 1991 gold cup first game trinidad and tobago 2000 MLS goal of the year. We can talk about the one that was missed. I don't care about the one that was missed. Can you talk about the two bicycle kicks that you I made? do. That would have been the best one seen all over the world. Exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but that 2000 MLS goal of the year was just a freaking hammer. You hit it so sweet. The 91 Gold Cup, the goal in the last minute was so freaking important. Can you can you can you run our listeners through those two well, goals? One, I got to thank Henderson. And you're a he's, back. he's the one that blocked the ball. My dad always <laughs> told me if you're going to be a center back, you still got to be dangerous going forward <laughs> to stick out. So, you know what I mean? But Henderson blocks the ball, and man, I had my back towards goal. It was an easy one. Yep. That was an easy one. It just kind of popped up to me. All I had to do was make sure I got contact and hit it down. Because if you hit it anywhere up, a goalkeeper can get it. But Absolutely. when you when you spike it down. It'll bounce up on him. So. What about the one you hit up in 2000? Did the goalkeeper that do that? One, I, you know, that <laughs> one. You hit that I, with a missile. That one I remember due to um, video. We'll just say I got knocked out in the first half, and the uh, the trainer came out. They didn't out. put you in concussion protocol. Uh, Taylor, buddy, I love you, but we had <laughs> we had we had no. And he knows this. We had this discussion. It's a good thing they didn't have a concussion protocol because I wouldn't have finished that game. I don't remember the game. Uh, I don't remember the goal. Um, I saw it when I got back to the hotel on ESPN because my roommate's like, you made the top 10. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Your goal. And I looked and I'm like, they're showing my goal on TV. So that's how I remembered that goal. Wow. But uh, oh I couldn't have hit that ball any sweeter, we'll say. Right. There's two balls. It. The one in 94, I didn't even feel come off my foot. That's how solid I hit it. It was yeah. so clean. And it was funny because I went back and looked at both. And it's a matter of maybe six inches in more where I scored the goal and six inches out more against Columbia where I missed. Yeah. So, but uh, again, I think it was more shocking. One, when you listen to the commentator that I was American and tried that 
and I was a center back that tried that. So, as a young kid um, <coughs> who played the game and was trying all that stuff, I just want to thank you. I mean, like, <laughs> like I mean, like you—you you, you were personally responsible dude. for a whole bunch of chiropractor visits oh in the mid-late I was doing bikes on gravel. I was doing bikes on tennis courts. I was doing bikes no. on. I, I mean, I was doing bikes everywhere. I was doing it in the pool, and I learned on the bed. I uh, broke lamps. I broke uh, made my mom. We <laughs> talked about this a few months ago with my mom. She just kind of giggled. She's like, yeah, you broke quite a few things. That's why, that's, that's why we got you the balloon. So you could just practice with a balloon in the room. I'm like, all right. Dude, so. I mean, Jared, how many of our coaches during those years were like, you're not Marcelo. Stop doing oh, yeah. what you're doing. Well, <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, this has been an absolute privilege. Um, just an honor to sit down with you and, and hear these stories directly from the horse's mouth. Um, you know, congratulations on an Thank incredible you. career, the Hall of Fame induction, etc. cetera. Uh, really look forward to keeping up with you guys in the, in the Apple family, in the, in the league. JPN. Thank you for joining us as well, man. No, thank you, uh, thank you. And tomorrow morning, egg midtown, yes. get the pork Do belly it. Benedict. Oh, man, tell, yes. I'm telling thank you. you. Sopes are good. Hey, too. we'll be in section 100 directly to your right across <laughs> standing in the soccer dad pod corner. <laughs> All right. Jared we'll will have there. your Jersey. On. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you, Marcel, for joining uh, Jared, Zach. Thank you for all that you do uh and uh pinnacle loans everybody else we appreciate your support we will be uh catch up with you guys next time until later we're out later, later. you want to keep your headphone on yeah i'm gonna go grab some